0: There's been one episode that we've had feedback on more than any other episode in the history of the Happened to Your Career podcast, more than any other story in the Happened to Your Career book. And it's because people resonate with this particular story so deeply. That story features an executive from a pretty well-known studio that got to the point of no return where he was majorly burned out and his health was being severely impacted. Not Not in a great way. And then he found his strengths, figured out what he valued most, and utilized that information. He applied that information to make a healthy career change that ultimately, two years later, went on to even earn him more money, which is freaking amazing. And that's what we're going to play for you today. By the way, if if you're listening to this story and you decide that you want to make a similar career change, reach out to our team the easiest way to do that is you can go into the the show notes, the description right there on your podcast player, click the schedule link and choose a time. That's it. I hope you love this episode. Michael's turned into a good friend over the last couple of years and he's got a great story. Listen close to hear what he did.
1: And I felt like it was my duty to suffer through this job because i wanted to see my team advance i wanted to see them get promoted take on more responsibility right this is the happen to your career podcast with scott anthony barlow
0: We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it.
1: If you're ready to make a change, keep listening.
0: Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Melissa and I were sitting at Woody's, overlooking the beach in San Diego. We had banana pancakes, coffee, and breakfast burritos. It wasn't just us sitting there, though. We were actually listening to Michael tell us what his life was like nowadays.
1: If work is fun, like what I'm doing now, I find these moments when I'm like, you know, it's eight o'clock on a Tuesday night and I'm like, should I watch a movie? I'm like, no, I actually really feel like working because I'm not, it's not work. It's fun. I'm having fun with it.
0: Michael had been an executive at Sony Entertainment for many years, and this was a great career for him. That is, until it wasn't. The absolutely crazy thing is in all his years working for Sony, even though he had enjoyed lots of pieces of it, he'd never realized that work could be something that was fun. As we were sitting there listening to his story, it was evident how much life had changed for Michael in the last two years. And that was when I asked if he would come on the podcast and share everything that went into his journey to find his ideal career. Here's our conversation.
1: I never had a vision of my career. Finished high school, planned to go to college, family issues, put that on hold. I was very lucky that a friend of mine in town said, hey, if you're not going to college, you should work full-time at a real job. Come work where I work. It was a warehouse shipping company, catalog company. So I went and signed up and ended up working there full-time for two years. And I think the great thing about that was I took very well to the structure The schedule. And I was kind of like fascinated by operations and learning about shipping and receiving and paperwork. And it sustained me, right? So after a couple of years of that, I went back to, I always thought that I would get a degree. I grew up around a lot of people in business and, and lawyers and architects. And so I went to the local college because I was paying my own way, signed up for night class, loved it. Loved creative writing. was the first class I took just as a general Mm. after work. After one semester that, I said, I'm doing this. Told them I was quitting to go to school. And they said, well, are you going to work during school? And I said, yeah, I'm going to have to to pay bills or probably on campus. And they said, you know what? Why don't you stay part-time, keep benefits? And I said, oh, wow, that's a great offer. So for the next four years, I did full-time school, lived on campus. And then every day in the afternoon, four to eight, went to work at this company. I've always been up good with structure. So long story, but finished my degree. And I decided during school, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted a college degree, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. But in my mind, I said, I want something practical and something that's going to allow me to pay the bills and be independent. Right, So I started down the economics path, loved macroeconomics, micro, again, all the business and structure stuff, and then switched to accounting because I really got into the bookkeeping and the numbers. Mm. I like math. I'm just not good at the advanced math. Like I wanted to be an architect, but the math was like, forget it. I wanted to be an engineer, math, forget it. I'm but a, accounting was like, Oh, it's math, but just enough. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> it's the right level of math, it's the
1: right level of math. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, ended yeah. up with an accounting degree. And then I started looking for jobs in where I was in Boston and mutual fund accounting was a big thing there. And luckily I, I, Had a very close friend refer me to his company, Fidelity Investments, and I got hired as a fund accountant there as my first job out of school. And I loved it. Again, very structured, lots of training, great company. Then, for personal reasons, I ended up leaving that job and moving with my partner at the time to Philadelphia for his school. And I got a job at a corporate accounting job at a consulting firm. And there, I was encouraged by my boss to take the CPA exam. He said, look, if even if you're not going to be a public accountant, just take the exam. It means a lot. It shows that you know how to study, you care, you have the ability. So I spent two years doing that past the exam. It was really hard. <laughs> it was two full days in a warehouse at a table, four hours a section, but I did it And I was very proud of myself. And at the end of the two years, we moved to Los Angeles, again, for my partner's job. But I was happy to do that because I wanted to try working in entertainment. I thought the best setup for me would be be an accountant for a movie studio. Because I love movies. I love TV. And if you're going to do accounting, I always recommend to people... Do it for a product that you have interest in, because then you'll be excited about the sales, you'll be excited about the marketing, you'll be engaged in the company, right? And it helps you be a business partner, as opposed to something that you just have no interest in at all, right? If you
0: can. I'm super curious about that, because I think that's a great bit of advice. And I'm also Mm. curious, when you made that change, what was as you thought it would be? And what was different than you thought it would be in working for working in entertainment? Working for Sony Pictures?
1: So, the first question, I guess, is accounting is accounting everywhere, right? Bookkeeping is bookkeeping. It's all the same rules. I mean, the rules change depending on the business you're in, right? Each business has specific accounting rules, right? So, one thing is it's better if you're interested in the product, it makes it easier to research, right? The accounting standards that apply to that particular business. It also, the product a company is making has an effect on the culture of that company and the environment. For me, entertainment, I assumed, is going to be creative, exciting. It's flashy. It's... I mean, especially in Los Angeles, this was something that was really surprising. Yeah. (laughs) Was... Again, I moved here with my partner who was incredibly smart and super successful and got a great job with a very well-regarded company in Los Angeles. If you're a top MBA type person, but we would like go out and about in town and people would say, what do you do? And he would say this and they would go, oh, I've never heard of them. And then they would say, what do you do? And I would say, I'm an accountant at Sony. And they would be like, oh my God. Uh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so there is a thing in LA yeah. where, yeah, if you work for a, one of the studios, it it just, you get a lot of like reaction that gives you a boost, right? Yeah. But the different part is that entertainment's super exciting and it's super flashy. It's also... Absolutely insane. And in what way? So imagine that if you're a consumer products company, say you're like Neutrogena, I'm just yeah. gonna pick them out of the blue. You launch new products once in a while, but generally you have the same product lines, you're getting them into stores, you're doing marketing, and it's sort of like happens on a regular schedule. In entertainment, you're launching a new product a couple times a month. Every new movie is like, what is it gonna do? waiting, 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 it opens. And then it's, did it do better than expected as expected or worse? And let me tell you, if it does worse, it is pandemonium for the next month as you are revising forecasts and profit plans and figuring out where you're going to cut expenses to make up for the difference. That goes on over and over and over multiple times a month. So entertainment is a very unique animal in that way. And it has a couple of areas that are very, very challenging. And because they're unique to that business, th- there aren't a lot of good like industry solutions, right? Another one is like assets, keeping track of film assets, right? No one else does... Th- no other industry has this problem where you need to keep master copies of movies and television shows and the audio tracks that go with them and all the subtitles and... D- Imagine subtitles for 50 different languages dubs for 50 different languages. Right, All this stuff has to be warehoused and accessible as you sell it down the road. And that is the area that I started in with Sony. It was basically asset management. It is fascinating, incredibly challenging, and still to this day, 20 years later, doesn't have any good solutions. It is just a monster of a problem for the studios to manage those pieces of every piece of content. And it's only getting harder with the way that we're now doing YouTube, short form, right? So if you're an accountant and you want a lot of challenges, I highly recommend entertainment. (laughs) It's a unique animal. I got a job at Sony. Again, very lucky that a guy from Boston where I grew up was there. And he, I guess, keyed in on my Boston background. And he liked the fact that I was from the East Coast and I had Passed the CPA exam, right? So I landed at Sony. Again, no plan other than get an accounting job at a studio. I then was there for 18 years. So started out as a senior financial analyst in September of 2001. And I left as a vice president of worldwide distribution finance in the beginning of 2019. And like I said, I never planned on any of this. But once I started at Sony, I could see that the more you could handle, the more they would throw at you. I was very fortunate to have some great like bosses that really knew how to challenge you. And it just sustained me. It sustained me for almost 20 years. But at the end, it got to this point where the demands of the job were felt like 24-7, 365. And for someone like me that is a perfectionist and didn't really realize that, it just didn't work anymore. It got to the point where I physically couldn't keep myself going. And mentally, I was just overwhelmed all the time and and just worried constantly about too many things and not able to fix anything perfectly or make anything work perfectly. (laughs) It was not a good combination.
0: What kind of impact did that have on like your health and wellness?
1: I think... For the beginning time that I was there, it was good for me because
0: yeah, being at yeah. a
1: job where you had to be in a regular schedule and you were always busy and and it was very structured.
0: You had that structure.
1: I had the structure and then yeah. I would go like, I'm going to work out three days a week after work. And then I'm going to, you know, weekends I have off. Or as I got busier and took on more responsibility, I would get up at 5am and work out in the morning and then leave my, my evenings open if work up busier. And But I always was able to make it work, right? I could always fit like I was swimming for a long time. That was my thing. Like get out of work, hit the pool, do a laps for 45 minutes. And it, it just, uh, I loved being so busy. I felt really important. I felt, I mean, obviously the money was really good and, and was getting better every year. And I was just on this like constant sort of routine of keep it going, get the next big raise, keep it going, get another big bonus. And I had a great team of people under me and that sustained me for years. And I felt like it was my duty to suffer through this job because I wanted to see my team advance. I wanted to see them get promoted, take on more responsibility, right? I think the last probably three years I was there, I was doing it out of a sense of duty to the people that worked for me. But I also had this sense of, and I think this is common for people who get burnt out, is you have this irrational sense of importance, of the work. Like I felt like if I'm not there, stuff is going to fall apart. If I'm not there, no one else is going to be able to do these things and they won't be perfect and they won't be right. And they won't be on time. I have yeah. to keep going. And I did that until I physically couldn't do physically couldn't do it anymore. I lost 20 pounds in the final year I was there. Didn't really sleep much that entire year. Obviously wasn't eating, wasn't exercising at all. And it just got to the point where I would get out of there on Friday and just go into a coma for the weekend and drag myself in on Monday. And I did that for the last year. I kept saying, it'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. I had, I had taken a promotion um, to a notoriously difficult group. And I believed that because the company wanted me to do this, that I must be able to handle it. And I wasn't thinking that... They're not necessarily, and this isn't in a bad way, they're not necessarily thinking about my well-being. Like I'm the one that has to be watching out for my health and well-being. The company isn't always going to, no company is going to do that for you. Yeah, I mean, you can't expect that really. They looked at it and said, we have a need for this big thing to get fixed. And here's a person we think can do it. And they're expecting that I'm going to have boundaries and no one to raise my hand. And I learned the hard way that I definitely did not. I said, I'm going to get over the hump. We're going to get this done. It'll get better. It'll get better. But after six months of that, I was like, I don't see it. All I see is bigger problems on on the horizon and things I can't get fixed fast enough. And I can't live in this world of just barely getting it done and poorly, right? It just took its toll on me. But I think the overall, the bigger picture of that was that I never, I never intentionally chose any of this. It was like I stayed in the job because it was, well, I'm lucky to be working for a a big name company. I'm lucky to be... A, a vice president of finance at a movie studio. I was like, wow, I get to go to meetings with like head of the studio and these like famous people that are in the news all the time. I'm sitting at a conference table with them. It's like, I mean, that is intoxicating, right? And I had this sense of who am I to deserve all this, I, and and couldn't visualize anything better or or better for me. So I just kind of lived in this. Like, I'm lucky to have what I have. Suffer and and deal with it because other people have a lot less, and other people can't get here. And I'm very humble that way. I think probably too humble and all of that led me to this burnout place which ultimately led me to leave. I gave my notice with no backup plan. <laughs> I just hit a point where I said if I don't if I don't tell my boss that I'm leaving in 2 weeks, I'm just not going to show up one morning. And that would be a horrible way to end 18 years of investment in this job, my colleagues, my reputation and, and everything. So I gave my notice and they were incredibly graceful and said, don't make that decision yet. Take a break, come back, talk to us when you've had some time to think. And I did. I took a couple months off to get my health back and having that space allowed me to go. Going back into that environment is not going to serve me. It's not going to work. It's not going to work for them because I'm not going to do better the second time around. Right? expecting that environment to change for me was ludicrous. It was never going to happen. And then I had to take the decision to say it is what it is. And that particular situation doesn't work. So I ultimately decided it's not for me. I'm I'm not going to come back. And I am very happy that I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think this is, first of all, I really appreciate you sharing that journey that led up to that. And I think a few things in particular, stand out is I am hearing you tell this story. I've actually heard pieces of it for several times over since you and I have had numerous conversations, I guess, at this point. But uh, the part that really stands out to me now that I don't know that I connected together and before this is that, you know, at, at one point... It was a great thing for you. It was, you called it sustaining you in a variety of different ways. Not just one way, but a variety of different
1: ways. Challenging me, learning opportunities, a lot of fun, a lot of really fun people, and honestly, wonderful people that I met along the way, and growth opportunities like crazy. I mean, yeah, for the right person, it offers tremendous opportunities for great work and challenging work.
0: Yeah, and then at some point along the way, you started shifting into more of these, I'm just going to say opportunities to use the word loosely, where it in some ways no longer fit all of what I would say your strengths are. You talked about that perfectionism earlier, but I think that that is, even though we're calling it perfectionism, I think that that stems from a place of some of your strengths as I've gotten to know you over the last year or so. <laughs> when you put someone like you in an environment like that, it is like perpetually... Setting you up for what feels like perpetual failure, which then had those huge impacts on everything yep. else, and yep. I don't think I quite connected that in that exact same way until I heard you tell the entire story from the beginning to end. But okay, that's really really interesting. And
1: yeah, interesting. it kind of dovetails with this whole happened to your career. The way you say that, right when I when I found your podcast. It, it, when I understood what you meant by that, I said, yeah, I've never happened to my career. I, I have let, I got to this place without any intentional decisions, right? I mean, there were some on the way, like I obviously yeah, yeah. decided to move and change jobs and I decided to go for this or that or the other thing. But once I was in Sony, it was sort of like, take whatever's offered to you and be happy about it, right? Be thankful, be grateful that they're offering you this this new role, or whatever. And I never was intentionally designing what I wanted or thinking about like, I want this in my workday and not this or, right. And I'm, and we'll get to this as we go through the story. But yeah, it was a great job for a long time. But as the, the roles changed and the responsibilities got bigger and managing more people... And complexity, and 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 then there was a whole component of organizational change that had nothing to do with me. It was just the way the market was going, and yeah. and the way the world is turning. It, it all culminated in just an untenable situation that I I tried my best to do for almost a year, but it ultimately wasn't
0: so. So before we talk about what happened from there, I'm curious for somebody who's been in that situation where it was a good thing and then turned into over a course of years, a no longer great thing. What advice would you have for somebody who is finding themselves in that situation right now?
1: Right now, I would say to the extent you can try to build a little safety net for yourself, right? Financially, try to have a little room in your budget and some savings so that you can take time off if you need to, right? Because it's very hard to focus on making big changes like this if you're working all the time and you're and you're tired now, not everyone can do that i know but it's just if you can i would also say when i was in that place i could not envision that anything could be better i could not imagine any other job that would pay the bills i could not imagine any going to another workplace i was very nervous about giving up after so many years at a company. So I had that fear. So I guess I would say to someone who was in my shoes from back then, it can be a lot better. I mean, I'm blown away by how different my life is now and how I will never go back to that kind of a situation again. As long, I mean, for the rest of my career, I will never approach a job the way that I did before. And it's just, you have to take a leap of faith that it can be different. You're not going to be able to see it from where you are. But hopefully listening to people like me or other people on this podcast or other career change sites, just believe it. There's enough people out there that have done it, that the proof is there. You just have to take that,
0: that leap. There's a paradox. I, I for, totally forget the name. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head. However, it's the something paradox. And the idea behind it is that when you're in the situation, you cannot actually see what, what a different situation could fully be like. And because of that, it becomes difficult to believe that there could be a different situation. And we convince ourselves as human beings, the way that we're wired, we convince ourselves, we fill in the gaps that well, there must not be a different situation out there. So it's especially hard when (laughs) when you're in that situation that you described for that reason. Yep.
1: It is. And you also can't open your blinders up, right? You have tunnel vision or I did of well, I need I can't be in this role anymore, but I need to go find something exactly the same in a different place, which it wasn't going to be any better. Right. So again, you have to kind of get out of that headspace in order to envision what might be a better fit, right? And that's where I learned so much going through the kind of skills investigation and learning about my strengths and kind of thinking about a better work life and a better way to put my my strengths to use. Because once I learned about my strengths, I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Like, I can see exactly why I was successful there, right? And I can see exactly why I was miserable for so long. What's, what's a couple of
0: examples of that? Because that's that's a great point. So once I kind of went through the
1: strengths finder, that piqued my interest, right? Just taking that and seeing what my my five. I mean, I look, it's in that old job, I had taken so many profiles of Myers Briggs and Emergenetics, and I had gone through all oh, those man. trainings and They were good, but it never opened up my eyes to anything, right? And then when I did the StrengthsFinder one, and I saw what my top five were, and I did the work with a coach to really kind of dig in and understand them, my top, my number one strength is harmony, Mm -hmm. which is crazy, right? So on the good side, it served me in that job because I was always looking to make things work and get people working together and systems working. And I wanted things to be handled and covered and no surprises. But in that environment, we didn't have harmony in anything. Everything it was impossible. Was impossible. Yeah. And so I was It just, oh, it just drove me crazy because you could never get anything working right or anybody on the same page. You know what I mean? So my number one strength was not being used. It was being used, but it wasn't in a way that like made me happy. My in my top five is analytical, right? Super important for an accounting job. And I got to work on analytical stuff all day long. That was amazing. That kept me going. I'm looking at them right now. Responsibility, relator, and deliberative, right? So, well I think
0: that responsibility too is an especially big one because you're the one to take on everything. And if you don't know you know the strength finder definitions of strengths, that don't worry about that here. And the most important part is that if you're ever trying to identify your strengths, if you're listening to this now and want to try and identify your strengths, that you have an understanding and can articulate what those are. But Michael, in your case, you know that that responsibility one, the fact that you <laughs> you're going to take on the responsibility for everything that's going on in a near impossible situation, just creates yep yeah <laughs> <Not> <laughs> what do you, good? you call that not good
1: <laughs> not good great for the company because I am like I will try my hardest to never drop the ball and always deliver on my commitments and i and I take that extremely seriously, yeah, and again, this is why I was successful in that role. It's also why I was miserable because there was just no end and no sides of the same coin exactly, and deliberative is another good one I, I I like making decisions, right I take pride in making good decisions with data and carefully, you need to have that in accounting, right? You just, that's critical. And this is why I like that kind of work. So that one served me and it hit my buttons. It let me use that strength and it was needed for the job. So that one was good. Analytical, same thing. Relator. I don't, it's interesting. I'm an introvert and everyone's always surprised by that. But I can turn it on and be sociable in the service of work, but then I need like downtime to recover. And I really like my quiet time. So in the relator strength, being part of a big company, it felt like I was almost at a college campus every day. You were eating at the commissary, you saw people, there was lots of things to do, happy hours. Like it was cool. Like it was a cool place to go to work every day, right? You would see stars every once in a while. There was filming going on, but I it did hit my relator thing because I felt kind. Connected, I didn't feel alone, right? But then I realized that all of these relationships are first and foremost work relationships and could go away at any moment because people leave, people get laid off, like things change. They weren't true, like personal connections. Yeah. And it's it, so it kind of it was pretending to serve that strength, but it really wasn't. To, to, to That's some interesting. degree, those, getting clarity on those things. Again, it showed me why I got to where I was. And it also showed me why I wasn't happy. So that was amazing. And I think that's what led me to call you and go, okay, I want to like talk to somebody about what this really is about and how this works. And is it, am I just signing up for a bunch of like online classes or is this actually going to do something for me? And that's what I think led me to call you or email you guys and get on the phone with you and Philip um, Because I was like, I, I can see this, this, there is a path here I don't know how to use it I don't know where it's going to lead me. I need a lot of help and pushing to believe that this will work and yeah, that's how I got to where I, I signed up
0: with you guys so tell me a little bit about you know trying to identify what was going to be a great next step for you. what was some of the hardest parts of that process?
1: Well, I think the hardest thing for me was like again breaking out of the tunnel vision of thinking that I had to go back to an a Monday through Friday corporate accounting finance job. And I every time I tried to lift my head up and go, I'm going to start putting my resume together and start applying to stuff, I just couldn't do it. Right? Because it felt so wrong. It felt so wrong. <laughs> I needed someone to open my vision. I keep thinking of tunnel vision and someone yeah. opening up the blinders. Like me.
0: where you're going you're on a train if you've ever been in a train and it goes through a tunnel and then at the end all of a sudden like everything is super light.
1: Yep. I needed coaching. I needed help on possibilities. I kept asking my coach, okay, I took the strengths test. So now you should be able to punch those five into a computer and tell me the perfect job that I should be applying for. Boom. (laughs) And you guys were like, no, it Uh does not work that way. (laughs) And I kept saying, but why? Come on. I want the easy, I just want the easy answer. (laughs) But it kind of did work that way over time, right? Because it led me to look at other things like other career paths right and huh. it took me a year to decide but I finally did and I'm very very excited about where it potentially is going and along the way I did some fun jobs too just to play right
0: I know some of them but what were some <laughs> of <the most> <laughs> fun jobs
1: so I was fortunate in that I was able to take a sabbatical yeah. right I decided 2019 I am not applying for any work I'm taking a year off. I'm going on road trips that I've never been able to do. Seeing family, catching up with friends. I lasted about six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, okay, I need to do stuff. I need, I cannot just be chilling out, right? It sounded like a great idea, but I got my fill of it pretty quickly. I decided to take care of some health stuff. I I had a, a shoulder surgery to correct an injury that had been painful. And I figured do that while I have time before I go back to work. But once I was out of that, I got my road trips done, saw the West Coast, saw a bunch of national parks. It was awesome. But I was getting antsy. And so I always... I'm a car fanatic, right? I'm I'm just a car enthusiast. I don't want to sell cars for a living. It's not... I kind of thought about it, but it just... I'm not super into sales. But I want to do some car related. So I googled car related jobs, Los Angeles. And this test driver job came up. And I just, for fun, sent in like a super thin resume. And they called me back. The job was driving cars 8 hours a day on a test route to collect data, and you just like fill out a report. And so I did that for six months. And I loved it. It was I mean, the pay wasn't sustainable. It's not a job for like a full timer. It's good for retirees, or like students who need spending money. But I loved it. I like I was like, seeing all of LA driving nice cars, I had my camera with me all the time. So on my breaks, I would take pictures of the, you know, San Diego, the ocean, like whatever, right? I listened to podcasts. So in that time, I loved driving. I love being behind the wheel. So I was able to get paid to be behind the wheel. And I had eight hours of time to myself. And that's when I found your podcast. I would listen to news in the morning and then career change podcasts or, or meditation podcasts or true crime. I was having a blast. I was like, you know, I, I love, it's nice to just do work for fun and not for money or because it looks good on your resume or right. It's just forget about it all just do something interesting. So I learned a lot. I met some cool people. I learned all of LA driving. I got to listen to great inspirational media, right? So I guess, long way to say, play around with it a little bit. The other job I did was Lyft driver, if you can believe it. My friend said to me, he goes, boy, Michael, one thing I can say about you is you have no pride or no, no pride or no shame about Taking different kinds of work. And that's amazing. And I said, you can learn. And I, I don't know where I heard this, but I've heard somebody, made, there's a famous person that explained this. Yeah. You can learn from any job you do. It doesn't matter how entry level, doesn't matter how unglamorous. You can take pride in it. You can learn how to do it well, what's required. You can then train people how to do that job, teach people. You can learn how to improve that process, right? So I kind of looked at it as I'm going to forget that I was a studio executive technically for 18 years, blah blah blah, and I need to stay on that path, and I'm just going to go play around in the automotive world, right? So I did the driving job, and then I did Lyft driver, and that was just for fun because I had read an article on a blog about a guy who said he just did this part time, honestly, to cure boredom. He's like, I love being in the car. I don't like just driving around aimlessly, and for doing Lyft gives you like a purpose, right? You're picking up a ride, you're taking them to your destination. I learned that I'm an ambassador for LA. I can, picked up a lot of tourists and they would tell me what they were going to do. And I would say if I've been there or not. And I loved it for the fact that, again, I'm an introvert, but I, not totally. I loved the interactions of like, you're going to get in my car, we're going to talk for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes. And then our relationship is over, right? It was perfect for me because I felt connected to people, but there were like really short interactions. Um, And I took a lot of pride in being polite, safe, offering good information, knowing my way around. And I just honestly, it was fun because I was getting to explore the city and and I had rides all the way down to Laguna Beach, San Diego. I mean, I had like some long haul trips and then I would end that trip and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm in San Diego. I'm going to hang out down here and see what's going on. And then I'm going to do rides all the way home. It was awesome. But I also learned that it's really hard to make a living doing that. And we could have another whole podcast of my opinions about rideshare. And and
0: (laughs) I didn't ask you about that when we got to have breakfast uh, a few weeks back. Yeah. Oh,
1: but again, amazing experience. Six months working for Lyft, I learned a ton. I have very strong opinions about that industry and the fact that it is not sustainable for drivers. It's a fun pocket money job, but it is really, not sustainable for a real, like full-time thing. It ends up, I think, costing you more money in wear and tear on your vehicle than you'll it's ever really earn.
0: Fascinating um, in many wonderful and many terrible ways at the same time. Michael, quick check in here because we're just about at time oh, that okay. we had scheduled. I have about fifteen minutes where I can go longer, but didn't want to assume that you do. Do you have? I'm, I'm gonna stop. Okay. Yeah, no,
1: I'm I'm fine.
0: All right. Let's keep going then for 15 minutes. So here's what I'm super curious about then for you and your story. Where, When you think about the transition and when you think about what worked really well for you to identify your next step, an amazing next step for you, a step that I don't think you probably would have thought about if we would have asked you three years ago or so, at all, what worked really well for you?
1: The first step for me was letting go of, I have to stay on the path I was on. I have to stay in entertainment. I have to stay in finance because I've spent so much time there. If I don't do that, I'm throwing everything away and I'm starting from the beginning. I had to let go of that belief. That was really, really hard to do. The second, I think, thing that helped me was doing those kind of fun, fun jobs and air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Because it helped me get out of the rut that I was in or the, the tunnel vision again and go, here's, I'm learning how to do other things. Even though they're not like career things, it just helped me feel excited about working again and, and curious. And then I think the other, another thing was, well, it was really once I did the strengths finder, it was spending the time to go through the exercises that you guys explained to me through coaching and then having my coaching sessions with Mo to really drill down on the value of stepping back and doing the assignments basically, right? Where it was so hard for me to believe it, but it said, before you start looking for your next role, decide what you want your life to look like, like lay out, pick how you want your life to be structured before you start looking for a job and a company first. And I was like, Whoa, like, who does that?
0: (laughs) Why would you do that? Why
1: would you do that? Like, who does? And then I was like, Oh, maybe this is how successful people are so happy is they do that. But boy, did it take me a long time to come around to that (laughs) belief. But once we got through it, and it took me a good probably two months of encouragement and pushing that led me to the job that I'm doing now right? It led me to start looking for work that would fit what I wanted and company culture. And I'm blown away and stunned that I am where I am because I found a company that is so helpful, encouraging, nice people. I have a flexible schedule. I work when I feel like it, pretty much. It's crazy. I never would have believed that if I if you talked to me three years ago, so
0: <laughs> one of the things that stood out to me when and I wish I could meet like every single person we worked with in person over you know over the entire world and everything. However, you and I got to meet in person. You and Alyssa and I got yeah. to yeah have breakfast together uh, just a few weeks back and not that long ago in San Diego. Yep, and you were kind enough to drive down from LA, which was super fun. But one of the things that stood out to me during that conversation that we had is we were like overlooking the beach at this little kind of funky little breakfast place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You said something along the lines of, you know what? I still find that I am struggling with the fact that like work can also be enjoyable. (laughs)
1: That's so so true. Oh my God. I I don't know why. I don't know. I think it's like Catholic guilt or something. (laughs) I don't know where this comes from, but it's so true. I always had a belief that work needs to be hard. You're not, if you're not suffering at work, then you're not working hard enough, right? I don't know where this comes from, but I had to let that, boy, did I have to let that go. And that's critical. I think that's really, really important for for people to just think about your attitude towards work. And do you you have that belief, right? Because if work is fun, like what I'm doing now, I find these moments when I'm like, it's eight o'clock on a Tuesday night. And I'm like, should i watch a movie i'm like no i actually really feel like working because i'm not it's not work it's fun i'm having fun with it and i'm like it still feels weird <laughs> it's like wait i'm not watching tv every night because i'd rather be doing my my job
0: well let's be Crazy. honest it is Crazy. it is weird but it's good weird yeah it's good weird so What, so that is, that's awesome. First of all, let's just acknowledge that right there. And when you think about other people that are getting ready to make a change, like if we're going back to where we had talked about, you were at before where you had decided that you were going to make this change in one way or another, what else would you advise people to think about or what worked for you to let go of some of those beliefs that you had talked about?
1: I think it was a lot of listening to career change. People who have gone through career change was super helpful, right? Talking to Mo and sort of having that accountability partner of like, we talked about, I was going to do these things before next week, and I don't want to let him down. Responsibility, and, and
0: responsibility right?
1: Responsibility and, and accountability partners. I mean, that's always a good thing, no matter what you're doing, exercise yeah. programs, you know, um, dieting, like, it's accountability partners are, are really powerful. You asked about other things that people could do that were in my shoes. It's focus on those strengths. And then again, do a lot of, re, you know, researching. What it helped me a lot was some of the tools like, I can't remember the name of the database. It's the government database of jobs. Oh, occupational. What is that thing? The OCC or something? There's
0: um, a, let's see, NACES and then there is... Oh my goodness. I used to, when I used to work for the government and one of my career changes along the way, I uh, use this all the time. I think I put it out of my mind.
1: There's a database, the federal government runs this database of job titles, like for every industry, right? And you can kind of search around in there for different, I was looking for ideas to spark interest, like spark areas for me to look at. So, and that's how I got to my current job, right? Which was, if you have these if you're looking for these skills or to put these skills to use, these are some industries or jobs you might consider.
0: Were you thinking of O*NET? O*NET. The one? Thank you. O*NET. Yeah.
1: Yes. I pl- I love databases and I love playing around with websites, right? So O*NET was a little playground for me and it actually helped me kind of generate that list of like what I had asked earlier was, okay, take five strengths, put it into a thing and tell me the perfect job, right? So that doesn't exist, but O*NET was kind of like something you can sort of do that with. Just again, to break out of the tunnel vision and go, okay, I don't need to be a corporate finance person anymore. These are like five other things that might work. And that's what led me to what I'm doing now, right? So it's research. It's research and sort of open-mindedness about other ways that you can... Other careers that might work for you. You don't have to stay. You don't have to stay where you were before or do what you were doing before for a different company, right? Which I think is what a lot of people end up doing as the default. It's mm-hmm. either find the same job in a different company or find the same job in a different industry. But that's probably not going to lead you much to a much different place. You you really want to take the time to just brainstorm a little bit, throw a bunch of ideas up at the wall, go to ONET and go. Don't be judgmental about every option, right? Look at the thing and then think about them and start marking them off and flagging the ones you want to kind of explore more. yeah, that would that's that would be my advice
0: that's fantastic. And one last question for you before we before we go, before we wrap up, how has your life changed now? Like what is different for you now compared to two years ago, three years ago? How would you describe? Some of those changes, especially for you know, going from what was no longer a great fit for you all the way to you know, work in an organization that really lines up with much more of what you defined intentionally.
1: So I guess I would say the, big, the, the, the shortest way to answer that is prior to this change, I believed that I, I had a lot of security because I had invested so much time in this company in this role and had so much experience. But I think underneath that, I always felt stressed and concerned and it grew over time that all of that could change in an instant because management changes, business slows down, layoffs happen. Like, And I had heard this before, working for a paycheck, there is no security in that, right? Some people do make it all the way to retirement working for the same company. It's much rarer these days. But at the end of the day, if you're working for someone else, you're... In their hands, really, right? Flash forward to today. I'm the money is not what it was at my old job, and I miss that regular paycheck for sure. But the potential is there to be doing even better than I was before. But it's up to me and only me to do that every day, right? To work on finding business, to network, to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to on social media on phone calls to find work you know and that i never envisioned myself doing it but now that i'm doing it i never want to go back to sitting somewhere and getting paid by the hour you know or or an annual salary because i am in control of my time now i'm in control of my volume of business to some degree it i can take a break when i need to i can it, it's just, an, I don't know, I'm just in love with it right now, because I am learning so much that I never expected. And I'm being challenged in sales in marketing in just discipline. And I'm pretty disciplined, but this takes a whole other level of discipline. <laughs> like running your own business. I'm sure you know this, right? right. But uh, I'm just, I love it. I have so much more energy now and hope and optimism. And like I said, I managed to find a company. I'm an independent rep for this company. I'm not getting paid a salary by them. I'm getting paid by the deal, but the people are so great. And the most helpful, supportive bunch. I'm like, how did this happen? I just love it. I'm loving it. So it is possible, but you got to break out of all the way back to, you won't be able to see it from where you're sitting until you step back, get some help. You know, even if it's just listening to a podcast like yours, like routinely, scheduling a couple coaching sessions, whatever, just believe in it, give it a try, break out of that rut. How do I say this? I want to say this more concisely. Just take a chance. Take a chance on doing something different than you've done before. And don't just try to look for something similar to what you were doing, right? Try to shake it up. Because there's so much possibility out there if you can just give yourself that space to look.
0: Hey, by the way, Michael was, he was just like you. He was listening to this podcast and you know, he, he's told me, you know, I'm, I'm a smart, hardworking, very dedicated, but as far as passions or what I'm meant to do, I'm, I'm a bit lost. That's where he was when we first met him way back when, and all of this happened. Everything you heard in this episode happened because he made the decision to schedule a conversation with our team which you can do right now by clicking the schedule link in the show notes. Just go to your podcast player, click on the show notes, uh, the description and click on schedule. It's that easy. Or you can go to happenedyourcareer.com slash schedule, but do it right now. That single decision can set everything else in motion. And we can't wait to meet you. By the way, we don't normally do this. Normally we have, you know, you email me and uh, you put conversation in the subject line, but we're trying to make it even easier, even easier for you to be able to change your entire rest of your life and work. All right. Talk to you later.